This is the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. We are uh, here again with episode 11. Um, I'm joined here today by Elliot. Hey, hey. And a partially alive Connor. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, got a little bit of a cold here, uh, but uh, stuck it out and managed to get in for the episode today. Fighting so, you know, he's playing through injury. Exactly. Like um, any good leader would do. Exactly. <laughs> Almost was on IR. He thought about it. One Almost. foot on LTIR. The other foot in the rink. Yep. Um, we've got a, a, honestly, I think it's more of a, a fun episode today. A um, few different little things that we want to cover because we're at the midpoint in our season. Um, but it's, a lot of it is going to be based on the last week of games, which saw a lot of ups, a lot of iffy moments, and uh, the Montreal game, which that's its own thing. Yeah. Um, so just to quickly jump back, I want to talk briefly about uh, earlier in the week, we had the 4-2 win against the Sabres. Um, it was largely due to the play of Connor Hellebuck, but there were certain things that were definitely redeemable about that game. Yeah, the main takeaway was Hellebuck. I mean, the Sabres are one of the high-scoring teams in the NHL, so you know it's going to be a, a track meet when you play them. And Hellebuck kept the Jets in it. They got some lucky shooting talent. That's kind of what the Jets do, and they came away with the win. Uh, I was more impressed with the, the next game, uh, but this game on its own was very... Like you would have expected more, uh, but Hellebuck wins you games. That's what he does. He's a great goalie. He steals you games, and he did it. And that's why you pay a franchise goaltender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he, he did. Connor Hellebuck did his thing. You can't really say anything else about it. It's four two. You score four. That's good. You want to score three or more, but yeah, he he kept them in the game the entire game. I thought Tage Thompson would score one there, and I thought we'd maybe be in trouble. He was threatening a little bit late in the third, yeah. but. Nope, he, we shut the door, and that's what you got to do. You, if you're going to win games like that, you got to just shut the door, and you don't give them a chance to try to get back into it. Yeah, and that was the first night of a back-to-back, uh, and then they uh, went a little bit uh, uh, south into Pennsylvania, where they took on the Penguins, and for the most part, pure dominance in that game. Yeah, I heard a lot of people throwing out like best game of the season. It's uh, up there. It's it's up there for sure. I mean, just dominance throughout. Um, Riddick started this one and really well. Yeah. I mean, like they didn't ask him to do as much as Hellbuck the, the night before, but again, a great game, uh, some questionable goalie interference plays with, uh, Dubois there and everything. But you know, the Penguins are a good team. They're fighting for it in the, in the Eastern conference and the Jets did a good job. Yeah, they looked good. I mean, yeah, Riddick had a great game. I think that was, that, that was his best game of the, the year, but for sure. Um, I mean, Bonus, I believe, said that that was he what he thought was the Jets' best game of the year. So, I mean, if the coach who's been very, very strict about good and bad performances thinks that's the best game of the year, then maybe you do have to consider looking back at it. It is. I mean, yeah, they they shut them down completely, and it, there there was nothing the Penguins could really do. The Jets looked like the best team for sixty minutes. So, it, it's a good win. It's what you want if you're going to be the best team in your conference. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And something that also stood out to me in that one was the, I, I'd say, the clear best game of the season for the Perfetti-Shifley-Wheeler line. Yeah. Um, three assists from Perfetti, but it was just, they looked so in sync with each other. It was ridiculous. Like, the passing was on, um, but then again, when, with Perfetti, I don't know when it's off. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, it was just, you saw the chemistry there, and I think that's something that's been 
uh, I mean, it hasn't been lacking, but there was always that little bit where you're like, oh, I think they can give more, and there it was. And we're starting to also see some of the underlying numbers turn into a little bit nicer of a territory uh, for Perfetti. Um, he's on an upswing, so um, there was actually a really good uh, article from uh, Garrett Hole uh, on uh, on Twitter the other day, and it, it, he did a little thing where he was going through each forward and what they're sort of they need to improve or if the Jets need to move them around. And essentially his message on Perfetti was, don't worry about him. He's he's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that little bit of that downswing there as a rookie, but uh, he's he's looking like the player that you know we saw uh, at the you know the minor league levels, and he's you know really he's asserting his skill, and that's something that we've been waiting for, something that we've wanted, and it's here. And you know, sometimes we forget that he's 21. Like uh, he's been asked to play this top six role. Sometimes you lose sight of that, and you think, well, he should be putting up top six numbers or top six analytics. You know, he should be playing like a top six winger. But he's 21. It's going to take him a year or two to get into the swing of things. Um, he's lucky enough to get this opportunity in the top six at 21 years old because not a lot of players, <laughs> Vili Hainala, would get an opportunity before they turned, you know, 21. Um, or 20, for that matter. He was in the top six last year before he got hurt. But uh, he he's doing great. He's getting better. You can see the strides, and the analytics are representing that. Yeah, he, he's been good. I can't... And and like you said, Brian, from that article, I mean, you just you let him play it out. He like he's twenty one. You kind of just have to go. Okay, he's going to be up and down, but he needs to get through these rough patches because it's part of his development. And then you see on the other side what happens when you play somebody, <clears throat> Vili Hainala. Um, <laughs> but that's a completely different conversation, especially now. But. Perfetti, you know that he's going to maybe have a couple bad games because he's a rookie. It's just going to happen. Then once it finally clicks, it's going to click, and you'll start to really see a ramp-up in not even just production. It may not even come in forms of stats. It may just be from the eye test going, oh, okay, he's where he's supposed to be. He's You see his vision. You see what he's trying to do, and it just he's he's acclimating himself. And I think that these games at this age are just super important for his development so that – when he's 24, 25, when he starts to get into his prime, he's already there. We don't have to worry about mm-hmm. okay, he's in his prime now. Is he gonna is he gonna do something? No. He's already he's already starting to do it at twenty one, which is huge steps. And his hockey card stats, I mean, are really good. Uh we could talk about the analytics, but uh six goals, twenty assists, twenty six points in forty games, and a plus ten for a twenty one year old playing in the top six. That's I don't really know what more you could ask of him if you went back to the start of the year and outlined the season for Perfetti. Um, but he's he's doing great. So yeah, yeah, and I'm willing to you know go as far as saying that uh, I don't know if he'd be as effective if not for the the shutdown of the OHL, mm-hmm. um, where he immediately got to play in the AHL with the Moose and excelled at it uh, in his first pro season. Played a big role. Big role. He yeah. had uh, 26 points in 32 games in his first pro season yeah which is ridiculous great yeah um so we're starting to see that actually come to fruition now and i think that's it's good for the confidence of the player it's good for the team seeing that they you know they they've showed the confidence to be like okay it's time for you to really step up uh and it's paying dividends um the unfortunate thing is we're having this conversation about him playing in the top six uh as of this morning which is uh january 18th um in morning skate he or uh in a practice today he was playing uh in the uh the bottom six on the third line with uh, Lowry and Manalainen. Don't like it. 
Um, that, <laughs> the changes, I should say, are largely due to the game uh, that came up later in the week, so we're going to talk about that in a little. But in between here was a very, I would say, low event for the most part game. Very low event. Um, against uh, Sleep fest. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Coyotes on uh, the Sunday, where it was a 2-1 win. Um, I mean, nice night from Hellebuck. When, when isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> for the most part. Um, Perfetti also had an, another really nice assist to, Wheeler, uh, yeah. uh, to set up Wheeler there, but there wasn't a whole lot going on in that game. Um, I was watching it from the bar, and there was not a lot of excitement. <laughs> yeah, I was in the building for this one, and there was not a lot of excitement, so I think that translated all throughout Winnipeg. Uh, that It was very low event. You expect the Jets to run the Coyotes out of the building, especially yeah. when the Coyotes played the night before and played a hard-fought 60-minute game against the Minnesota Wild, you would expect... Where they also lost 2-1. Right, and you would expect maybe they're tired from that. The Jets are clearly the better team on paper and on the ice, um, but it didn't really show. Dubois with another goal. He's having a great year. We'll get into more of him later. Uh, like you said, that Wheeler goal where he was laughing after ended up being the game winner, but they only uh, gave up 21 shots. Uh, that's good for Hellebuck. He doesn't have to face 40. It's essentially a rest game for him. Yeah, which is nice. Uh, when you can play Hellebuck and still like give him half the shots that sometimes he usually sees, that's that's always a win. So it was low event. It was uh, it was there. It happened. And we'll move on and take the two points. Absolutely. Um, well, what's interesting, though, is you go from that where it's a, a, a win that you expect Nothing really happened to refute Not really it. happy with, though. No, exactly. But then you go to, I'd say, arguably the worst game the Jets have played all season. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost 4-1 to the Montreal Canadiens, which, uh, if you follow along with the Canadiens, they're not all that great. Um, they're, they're a team that likes to... Like, they have young players, so they like to shoot, they like to score, they put up big numbers. Uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, in particular, are their, their top-line guys. But they didn't really, like... I, I don't even know how to explain this game. Evgeny Dadnov scored two goals. In the year of 2023, Evgeny Dadnov. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Kirby Doc had two assists. Like They just kind of got Josh Anderson and Mike Hoffman each had a goal. Like Those are players that aren't really like dominating this what year. What year is it? I know. Like Is this 2016? Not really. Um, that was, yeah, I agree with you. One of the worst games they've played this season. Montreal's not good. Uh, Sam Montembeau is not very good goaltender. I mean... What can you really ask of him? But it's just, they got to be better. You got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. I know that's like a thing that we say on this podcast all the time, but Montreal is a team that you have to beat. Eastern Conference, they're in the race for Connor Bedard. Like, they're not good. And to put out that effort is kind of disappointing. Yeah, it was not a very good game last night. I mean, I don't even you Connor mentioned this is 2016. Yeah, if it was 2016, probably Brendan Gallagher probably also with a score. Yeah, true. Good call. I am a big Brendan Gallagher fan. But I mean, you, a couple times last night, like for at least goal, I think number three, maybe even goal number four, we just left Connor Hellebuck out to dry. Like they just looked like the Jets decided. They looked like last year's team where they just went. Uh, I don't really want to win this game tonight. Let's just end this early and get it over with and. Like let's let's get out of town. It, it, I I'm also kind of wondering now: did something happen last night, or did something happen before the game that they just yeah. they they just looked like they had no. I I hate being that person, but it just looked like they had no heart last night. Which I get. It's a long season. It's hard to keep focus and mental. And this is a you're gonna lose games. Obviously, I understand that. But this is not a game to lose. No. Like 
if you're going to lose a game or not play well, at least, like, I hate saying this, but at least throw it against a good team where we can say, <laughs> oh, well, it's a good team, so they must just outplayed them. Don't do it against Montreal because then it just shows that you're not – you're just not in it that night. So Yeah, and this is the NHL. You're going to lose to bad teams. Like, Montreal has 19 wins. They got those 19 wins against, I, I would say, teams better than them. Like, they didn't beat Arizona 19 times, right? So this is going to happen. Uh, our expectations are just so much higher this year since the Jets are tied for first in the West. It, it sucks to see this, but it'll happen. But, yeah, like you said, you'd like to see a better effort. Hopefully, th- they, they have a road trip here to... Uh, make people forget about that so hopefully they do that well I mean it's easy to forget about things like if they go into Toronto and at the very least put out a spirited effort close game even if they they drop that one uh, seeing an effort would be nice because there wasn't much of one in Montreal and then you go into Ottawa which is tied in the standings with Montreal so it's another situation where you go they're 25th in the league and Ottawa I would say is like they're more talented than Montreal, they're starting to get healthy. I would say that they're uh, they're they're in Montreal in the same sense where they have young players. They like to score a lot of goals, but they also give up a lot. So that's a game that I'm watching for because if they lose to Montreal, it's kind of the same team. It's the first night of a back to back. You never know, right? So I'll keep my eye on that game for sure. Yeah, and I mean, like Ottawa's coming off two losses. One specifically where they dropped a seven nothing <laughs> loss against Colorado, uh, which from what it appears to be, Colorado is starting to turn it back on. So um, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward because if they sneak into the wild card, uh, you don't really want to be top of that division. Yeah. If they yeah. sneak into a division spot, uh, you do not want to be outside of position one. Um, they terrify me uh, because they just casually uh, suddenly started scoring. Because that's the thing. They, they're still playing a great all-around game. They just haven't had any of the scoring this year. I will quickly ask you both. Are we saying that the Central Division is the toughest division in the league? No. If, if, no. 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 Atlantic. Okay. Then, just a question. Just, I, I mean, <laughs> it, I, I mean, it's, I, it's I would, up there. I would, I would probably put well, it it's second. Top two. Yeah. I would. Pro- I, I, yeah. I, I was gonna say top two, but I just wanted to see if you guys have. Thought. I know mm. the Atlantic obviously has Boston and Toronto and you Tampa. Still, yeah, Tampa. You still have like as much the Caps aren't have. We're dealing with injuries. They're still the Caps good. are Metro. Oh, the sorry, Caps. Am I, yeah, the yeah. the the Metro. I don't know. Like I think Carolina is like one of the best teams in the league. So I'm just I'm higher not, end. I'm not there. sold on. Sorry, I was thinking um, of Florida. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know why I was. I was like, <laughs> there's some other top four team. In yeah, the, yeah. In the, Atlantic. I was thinking Florida instead. Fair yeah, enough. but like I'm looking at, so I would say definitely the Atlantic, purely based on yeah the top four uh, in that division. Then you've got uh, I'd say the Central. Then I would probably put. To be honest with you, I would even consider putting the Pacific mm, in front of yeah. Metro because mm. there's Carolina. I'm as of how they're playing right now. I'm. I, they've won, I mean, they've won five in a row. Jersey doesn't necessarily look like the same team that they... Most of their wins came on that 13-game win yeah. streak. Um, Rangers are finally surging back to where we thought they would be, but even still, like it took them forever. Uh, very much not sold on either Washington or Pittsburgh. Or New York. Or New Islanders. York, the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, we know Philly's bad. Um, the Blue Jackets. Or... The Jackets. So I, I honestly, I, I'd say that, to be honest with you, I think the Metro, in terms of... Uh, when the teams are bad, they're really bad, and there's a lot more middling teams. I'd say with the Pacific, you've got 
a fairly decent spread, uh, let's say five teams, because you've got all three division spots and then both Alberta teams, which mm-hmm. I, I, they're not as good as everyone thought they would be, but they're still better than a lot of, I would say they'd be better than you know Washington or Pittsburgh. And this uh, conversation relates to the Jets, but you talked about the Avs. The Oilers as well, those two teams getting back Val Nachushkin and Evander Kane, if you want to see how important middle six wingers are to high-end teams that have high-end players, watch how good the Avs and Oilers are going to be over the next month now that those two players are back. And if I'm Calgary, I'm terrified. Yeah. Because they, at this exact moment, seem like they could be the the odd team out. Markstrom's still not playing very well. Yeah. Um, If they suddenly, you know, drop... Because that's the thing, they've dropped now into the second wildcard spot, uh, and... What we also have to consider is Nashville has suddenly decided, oh, I'm going to play well again. St. Louis <laughs> has pulled themselves back into it. Um, yeah. I, it's, I, I think ultimately, I think Calgary falls out. If, if it, Let's say everything stays the same in terms of who's in right now. I think Calgary falls out and then some other Pacific team because mm-hmm. uh, Colorado is, I, I, I'm still willing to, I'm, willing to put a lot of money on the fact that they're still making the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and Colorado plays Calgary tonight, so tune in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, we kind of got off topic there, but essentially beat the teams that are below you in the standings or at least put out an effort. Mm-hmm. And the Jets did not do that. Um, but to reflect back on the standings like we were just were, the Jets are still tied for first in the West. And listen, that's that's... A lot higher than I think a lot of people were expecting at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, I believe I saw, the highest they've ever been situated in the standings at this point. Um, this year? Y- yeah. So oh, okay. It's like, yeah. Um, I would believe that, yeah. Uh, so essentially, I want to just quickly uh, run through a few things here to sort of recap what we saw, because we're essentially right at the halfway mark. Some teams have played more, some teams have played less, but we're right around that point. Um, so firstly... I want to ask both of you if you could describe what you think is going right for this team, uh, just in general. We don't need a, a full deep dive because that, <laughs> that could be a full episode in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we think is going right that has them sitting so high in the standings? Effort level. I, I, think, I really think that that's all this is. Mm-hmm. The, it's the exact same team. It, it, yeah, we didn't, literally. It, <laughs> well, obviously you substitute guys around the fourth line, like guys like Gangi and AJF and that sort of thing, and that's fine. But this top six is literally the exact same top six you had last year, but they're just putting up more production. But it's seen by, it just seems like everyone has bought in. Everyone's bought in and everyone's kind of just decided that, you know what, I'm going to put out 100% tonight. So I that's all I really think. Yeah, I... I think the surgence of Josh Morrissey and him being a Norris-level player has really helped this team because Bonus uh, in training camp alluded to many times about how they need more goals from the defense, and I'm pretty sure they passed. It was literally game 41 or around there that they passed their total for last year in defensive goals. Yeah. So that, you know, the systems, the buy-in that you say, um, it's... It's all working, and you combine that with Halbuck playing probably the best of his career, and you have the best team in the West. Yeah, and I'm, and I think kind of to talk about like the effort level, and I think that also comes from. I mean, we heard so much last season and a couple seasons before there was a fair amount of dysfunction in the locker room. Um, 
bonus seems to have such a handle on things in there yeah. that everyone really just seems to be enjoying it. And I think that's a major part. After all, if you really just distill it down, these are a bunch of guys playing a game. Yeah. Like th- th- there's there's no need to be, you know, at each other's throats or anything. It's this is everyone wants to win, but you're playing a game. Enjoy it while you're doing it. And I f- feel like they are. Like when was the last time you saw Blake Wheeler break out into laughter after a goal? Yeah. Like yeah. he's always like very stoic and everything on the ice and most of the players are. Uh they just seem to be having fun out there. And I think that's important. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing, and like you mentioned, it's, I think, the bonus effect. I don't even think, like, yes, I mentioned effort level, but I think the biggest thing that happened through since bonus has been hired it has nothing to do with what the product on the ice is or the line changes. I think it literally just has to do with him taking the captaincy away from Wheeler. That was huge. Yeah. I think I think that has been... It sent the, a message. Yeah. That completely has changed the outlook of how each player interacts with not even with the with each other with the media like now mm-hmm. it's not just hey let's talk to captain blake wheeler and it's like a different person each night yeah, yeah. we're not going to completely put the blame all on wheeler or put the blame on specific players and each player is also not because you could kind of tell when they were trying to deflect when they were making mistakes or there was problems or they would try to deflect to say like hey i'm not the problem it's somebody else it's now like nope we're a team we didn't play well tonight as a team, and that's what happens when we don't play like a team. I think having three alternates where everybody is all on the ice trying to play as one, I think is probably the best thing that Bonus could have ever done in his tenure. Yeah. Well, and I think and another thing too, and obviously on the ice, the product does look better, and I think yeah. you know, obviously we said that's to do with what's happening off the ice. Systems-wise, they've bought in. Um but it's also like they have had better metrics than they have in the past few seasons. And I think that's important because you don't just want a team to, you know, the vibes to improve, but the team still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you're also, you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, players just thriving. And I think that's, you know, really nice. But what's also great is they don't seem satisfied. And I yeah. think that comes a lot from uh, from bonus because, uh, something that everyone sort of took notice of very, very like early on was they won a game, and he was like, "This is not the way we want to play. Like we, we, we won this game, but we want, we want to be better." I'm like, "That is so refreshing to hear. Like mm-hmm. there was no settling for that. Like we won the game. I think he said that about the Buffalo game too, where uh, it was we need to play better in order to make this sustainable. And it's that's exactly how you have to preach uh, coaching. Yeah, and he he'll say after. He'll, he'll be super willing to say that after every game. Be, we need to be better. Yeah, we won. It doesn't matter. We need to be better. And that's that's huge. Like That'll keep this team fighting for more in the dog days of the season where all they're really fighting, all they're really fighting for is the one seed. Like It would take a monumental collapse for this team to miss the playoffs at this point. Um, it would take Please injuries God, to like... No. <laughs> every single player on the roster would have to get hurt at this point. Um, Don't but, will that into existence. <laughs> but... He's done so much for this team, and it's literally the exact same team from last year. I, When I write articles for the hockey writers, I'm constantly talking about how the Jets need to get a middle six-winger. Nice plug. Yep. I was writing those articles last year because it's the exact same roster. Yep. Like I sat down to write a trade deadline preview article the other day, and I'm like, I, I went and read my one from last year about what they need to go get. Like, yeah, they were sellers last year, so I was talking about how they are trading away Andrew Kopp, but... 
besides that, like this team needed a middle six winger. They still do. They still have the same defense core. They still have the same goaltender. It's the exact same team. I will give a shout to Scott O'Neill because the penalty kill is dynamite. Yeah. Um, it is a changed group, and that comes with effort and buy-in. But Lowry, Stenland, Gustafson when he's in the lineup, AJF, all these players that are bottom six and they might not score a lot of goals, the penalty kill is working right now. And that will swing a game in their favor big time. Well, something I've noticed, too, with the penalty kill is uh, there's a distinct lack of the cross-ice pass. Yeah. Um, so they're allowing shots to come from the middle in the slot. But at least with that, you're giving you know the best goalie in the league a chance to stop a shooter straight up. Like I take that over having him have to move all the way across the crease. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's a it's a perfect way to leave it up to your best penalty killer, which he has been that. Um, <laughs> but no, like you're you're getting an absolute buy-in from all aspects of the game, um, and it's it's very refreshing to see because in the last few years there was definitely a disconnect, and you could see it. It showed up on the ice. It showed up in the interviews. Um, and so it's it's good to see things coming together and. Uh, just while we're, we were mentioning it, uh, Money Puck currently has the Jets uh, playoff odds at 97%. So, yeah. as you said, monumental collapse, if, yeah. if anything. Um, Wouldn't be a Winnipeg sports team if they didn't do that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's... Let's move on. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's not do that. But no, yeah. <laughs> um, in, in terms of you know the negative, though, and it's not necessarily a negative to look for improvements, but um, there are definitely areas of this team that do need to be improved, whether it's play style, whether it's something they need to add at the deadline, um, it's always a good thing, and I've preached this a lot. It doesn't make you any less of a fan. It doesn't make you any less of someone who roots for the team to say, I want something to be improved. Uh, don't settle for what you have just because it's working at the time because you can always get better. Yeah, that was a big thing last year Yeah, when the team was struggling. Um, so in terms of what needs to improve... Um, we can also we can delve a little bit into the trade talk here. We will have a full episode on that coming up yeah. uh, because we're into trade season. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be in the next few weeks probably because we want to get out in front of it because we're getting into the season where teams are going to pull the trigger early just to try and get out in front of things. But um, we can definitely briefly touch on it though. So in terms of what needs to improve to this team, what do you guys think? I You know, the, the depth has been a, a highlight this year. Ever since they've gotten fully healthy up front, I think the depth has been kind of a letdown, besides the penalty kill, obviously. But there are games where Cal Connor score, score two goals, and that'll be it. And then, like, you're not really getting... Like, if one of the top six lines is shut down, I think this team is kind of screwed offensively, which we talked about the trade targets. I, I think they need another middle six winger. Um, I think their defense pairings could be juggled a little bit better, just because I think Dylan and Pionk, they work away from one another more than they do together and it seems as though bonus is really uh looking to put them together which i don't really get but if there's a little bit of alignment changes they grab a middle six winger i think that's all you really need uh the first round pick should be on the table like chevy should be looking to move that pick it's a valuable asset but there's no better time for this team to go all in well at this point too like even if they go out first round that's still you're picking 16th yeah uh or or later Mm -hmm. so obviously it's a very deep draft and i understand the reluctance to trade any first round pick this year but if you're actually chevy said this very eloquently as well you need to show that you're serious Mm -hmm. 
And uh, sometimes that means making hard decisions, and sometimes that means making a move. Um, I'm with you. I'd say top six, middle six winger is an absolute must for this team. And I've ranted about this on Twitter a bit. I'm a big Timo Meyer guy. Mm-hmm. I think he f- fixes a lot of problems for the Jets. You know, Sam Reinhart's up there. Um, Alex Dabrinkit, I would look at because Ottawa, I don't think, is going anywhere fast. So, um, that would be a big, big swing. Um, but enough about trades because, as I said, we have a <laughs> full episode. Go on for that. That's the thing. That yeah. We're already at 33 minutes, and that could bring us all the way to 50 if we kept going. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just to bring it back to sort of a retrospective of what we've seen so far. Uh, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of a mid-season award show. Um, I want to know who your MVP is, uh, your most improved player, your biggest surprise, and your biggest disappointment. We'll do this one at a time. So, um, I will, uh, start, um, my MVP, I have is Hellebuck. Hellebuck. Mm. Um, you could easily make a case for Morrissey and I get it, but I'd say even if Morrissey puts up the same point levels... Connor Hellebuck has still stolen uh, quite a few games this year. I think that his play is largely, you know, it's it's such a major factor in the Jets' success that I don't think you can overlook that. He's playing at Vesna level again. And without him, I don't know where we'd be. Um, my MVP, you said you could easily make the case for Josh Morrissey. I am going to make that case. Um, Josh Morrissey, ever since bonus has been added, he uh, he's been great. He's been one of the best defensemen in the league. He's one of the leaders in points for the Jets. He's getting almost an assist a game. It's He's on a remarkable pace. Uh, and this team without him would have would struggle offensively and defensively, which is too much even strength uh, chaos to ignore. So my team MVP is Josh Morrissey. I'm going to go different to both of you. No. Whoa. So I'm going to say Pierre-Luc Dubois. Wow. <laughs> to, but hear me out. <laughs> so, it, this, it, and most people go, "Whoa, you're not saying Hellebuck, you're not saying Morrissey," and I know there's a couple other guys too you could throw. There's so many guys I think this year that you could throw in the mix. I am going with Pierre Luc Dubois simply because he just looks like he's playing both ends of the ice. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I I can agree. I, I will. I can agree with both of you. Connor Hellebuck has looked great. He looks like a Venza candidate. We wouldn't be in half the games we'd be in without him. Many people say that that's the only asset that we have other than our top six is we have a goaltender. And Josh Morrissey has looked very good this year. And no denying that he's in in for Norris voting and everything. The reason why I say Pierre-Luc Dubois is just because he, at the towards the end of last year, yes, he started to look a little bit better. But I was really thinking that, okay, this trade's like, I, I it might have, I mean, Line A didn't look very good last year either. So <laughs> it looked like a dud for both teams. But I just think that because he has played so well on both ends of the ice, I'm, and I'm not even just talking about his scoring numbers, I'm talking about he just looks like a really good two way forward center. He is, he just, he just looks like he's playing really well. And I think he, along with Morrissey and obviously other goal scorers, I think he is one of the most important pieces on this team. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I really don't think that when you look at the line of um, Kyle Connor and with him in the middle and Ehlers, that line with just Ehlers and Connor, to me, and with two wingers that either like one likes to score a lot and has some speed, has good speed, the other one's a speedster and can mm-hmm. score. I don't think that line works with if you put. 
a Shifley up there. That mm. line only works because Morrissey's there. So, or sorry, Dubois. Dubois, sorry. <laughs> that would be it's something. I'm thinking about Top all the line center, Josh Morrissey. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I just think that he has looked like the best. He He's also an agitator, which I like. Mm-hmm. That, and that's not why. But I just think that he has stepped it up this year. And I think he is deserving of being one of the most important pieces on the team. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all good picks. Um, obviously, I'm biased and I think mine's correct, but to each throne. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's go on to the most improved player. Um, I honestly, I think it, it, you can make a case for a lot of guys here because there's a lot of guys stepping up. But I think um, I got to go Adam Lowry. Fair enough. Um, he's you know he's had a couple really really rough seasons. He I don't think he'll ever look quite the same as he did in that 2017 18. Uh, team. He doesn't have his buddies anymore. That's why. <laughs> but this is the first time that we've seen him in a few years to actually look like, oh, he's starting to look like what he used to. Um, I know that he's improved in a few metrics. Uh, I, he's th- He has taken a little bit of a hit on the penalty kill, but that's because he's actually being a little bit more aggressive. And that was uh, a lot of the, the thing is he they would rely so heavily on Hellebuck uh, that uh, when he was just, they would essentially be stagnant on the ice during the penalty kill. Yeah. And so you're not doing it. He'll occasionally, it has burned him before, but he will cheat for offense sometimes to try and kick the puck up and maybe get something going shorthanded. But he's also just being way more aggressive in general to try and break things up. So um, definitely, I think that, uh, as I said, a lot of cases can be made, but Lowry's uh, you know play has been a definite bright spot for, for me all season. Absolutely. And... We already talked about my pick, so I'm going to keep this quick. But Cole Perfetti, uh, the jump he's made from his 20-year-old to 21-year-old season, um, he's got, like we said, 26 points in 40 games. He's a plus 10. He's playing in the top six. Not anymore, unfortunately. But hopefully he's back up there because I think he's earned it. Um, The analytics are starting to take a turn, and uh, that's my pick for most improved. I was really hoping to be saying Morgan Barron at this point in the year, but <laughs> he I mean, has improved. He has improved. I don't think he's the most improved. No, but, yeah. and I was that's th- that was my hope for this year. Um, I'm a big fan of his game. <sighs> most improved, I would probably. I mean, I could go with a Morrissey and just say that he is true. Yeah, improved. Uh, I will probably go with the camp of probably Cole Perfetti. Yeah. I mean. You can't deny a 21-year-old having 26 points in 40 games, and he looks like one of the best, one of the best playmakers on this team. Mm-hmm. So, he he's he's dynamite, and I'm really hoping that we can sign him long term, and he will never go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's, of course, <laughs> I I don't want to lose him ever. Um, <laughs> can't got a can't, long way before we start. But you also about can't that. count that out with this franchise, so that's why I still have to <laughs> sit there with my fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so kind of in the same thread here where, uh, you know, some of these guys you don't expect to improve. I want to talk though about the biggest surprise player of the season. And I have a feeling that we might go similar places with this. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest surprise is the fact that Josh Morrissey is just still going is, you know, so strong as, you know, he'd started and we're like, okay, well, it's clearly he's starting strong and it just kept going and kept going. Suddenly it's January and he's still just going insane um i i no one i mean obviously he's had you know a few good years the last couple of years he's you know, you know career high in goals but the fact that he's he's got essentially an assist per game uh yeah. going through the season it's just it's hard to think of anyone else to say uh oh i was surprised about this 
I'm actually am going to go in a different direction, but my biggest surprise is not just one player, but it's all three of the top third line centers, uh, Shifley, Dubois, and Lowry. I did not think they would all basically have career, career years. You can basically make the argument for all three of them that they're having the best season of their career. Like, Shifley, he had that one good year uh, when they had the run and he scored a lot of road playoff goals. He still holds that record or whatever, but that's playoffs. I'm talking about regular season. You can make the argument. Um, Shifley's also just kind of shooting above his expected talent, but Dubois is undoubtedly, unquestionably having the best season of his career. And Lowry, like you said, 2017-18 is his best season metrically, but Right now, he's playing some of the best hockey of his career, and he's a big reason for the penalty kill we talked about earlier. So I'm going to go with all three of the centers because you can make the argument that they're having the best seasons of their career. So my pick, he's fallen off a little bit. He had a really hot start to start the year. But I still think that he's quite... I know he's been demoted recently to the fourth line. I still think that he's an important piece of this team because he's a veteran, and he still chips in every once in a while. I'm going to go with Sam Gagne. Mm. I like it. <laughs> Not and and it's not just because yes for a while he's playing up a lot of points and he was like I I think just for seven hundred and fifty k I don't think you can get any better than that for a signing like I I I will say that that's one of Chevy's better moves that he has made in his tenure he just I, fits with everyone he, he just he fits yeah. with the team he I I he fits with what bonus is trying to do he 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 just works really hard and I I just appreciate that and I think. On a team that didn't work very hard to have to bring a guy in who's trying to probably work for a larger contract either from the Jets or from another team for next season, so he can keep playing. I think his work ethic was just good to bring into the locker room with a bunch of players who are making a lot of money that just decided that yeah, I'm just gonna make my paycheck and call it a day. So I think that I, I also think as veterans go throughout the season, I get either a hot start and it kind of goes with what I'm against what I'm about to say. Most veterans kind of grow into the season as they get older because mm-hmm. it just becomes routine and they keep with the routine. I think that we're going to see another little bit of uh, one. I would actually say two more little blips of games where he looks really good and mm-hmm. he moves up the lineup slightly. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. And I mean, on the flip side of this, uh, you know, the surprise is typically a very positive thing. Um, there is another side to this coin, though, where it's your biggest sort of disappointment. This one should be a sweep. Um, I I would think. Um, <laughs> I I mean we we talked about it earlier. We're gonna talk about it again, uh, like at some point. I'm writing an article on it. Yeah, Neil Pionk. Yeah, me too. Uh, he uh, he he had that one year that we have now found out is just an uh, an outlier. Um, it's the opposite of Morrissey. It was just an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like it's 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 unfortunate because there has been flashes of him being able to do really great things, and uh, offensively he still contributes a lot, and that's that's definitely not a a bad part of his game. It's just the fact that in his offense there is absolutely zero defense. Like he's, I'd say without a doubt, the worst actual defender on the team. Yeah, I mean it's harsh, but it's the truth. Like he's he's having a really rough season, and you'd hope that he would return to the form, like you said, from the the North Division season. But his defensive metrics just seem to be sliding more and more by the game. Um, he's not producing offensively at a high enough level either to cover up for it. Yeah, and I I talked about it earlier how the pairing of Dylan and Pionk is just not working, and both of those players are working better away from one another. Yeah. Uh, 
the longer they keep that pairing together, I think those players' analytics are going to keep sliding, and it's going to be problematic. But if they move them, like Pionk would look good with uh, maybe Morrissey. You know, he's he's had games with Morrissey where they they are so dominant offensively that it doesn't matter. But I know breaking up Morrissey Demello is a big ask, but um, you have to do everything in your power to try and salvage what Neil Pionk brings to this team because he generates a lot of offense and he's good yep. on the power play, but defensively it's just not there. I'll go with Neil Pionk. I won't add anything else because it's already been said. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I need to keep beating the drum. Fair enough. Um, I will say, though, I think another – I think I will go with – I mean, he had to – I'll just do a little, like, extra here just to so – Change it up a little bit. Change it up a little bit. And I, I get he's been injured, but for a lot of the season, like – I'll jumble in a bunch of the bottom six guys, like a Morgan Barron. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I'll even say, I mean, we don't really expect, but Sakumina line. And Gustafson's look good, but then he had, like, a really bad rough stretch. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll even group those guys together because mm-hmm. we were kind of hoping, not even just chipping in offensively, but just kind of looking like they're there. Like, sometimes I forget Morgan Barron's still on this team. Like, I sometimes have to go on my computer well, He's going to be in the top go, six now, so. I, I sometimes <laughs> have to go on my laptop and go, Transaction NHL.com transaction. No, we didn't send him down. Where, the, where is he? Like, what, what are we doing here? But yeah, it, it has to be Neil Pionk. There's no other, and we'll get into another trade episode. But I, we should ship him for either another defenseman or put him in a trade. We either trade Philly for a forward or we trade Pionk for forward. Whatever. I don't care as long as his 5.875 is not on our books anymore. 875. That's yeah, that's not. Um, Sorry, I checked on Cap Friendly. Yeah. We have the. I thought it was nine. It's eight. Well, that's the thing, and and I I actually in especially up until this year, I have been a proponent of you know saying that you know, Pionk has a lot to give. I've been a big fan of his, uh, the real deal, Neil Pionk. Um, It's just it seems like with what's happened this year, it might be time and for the betterment of both player and team uh, to move on uh, if that's possible, Um, because I think it opens up enough. cap space that you can do something else yeah and you also just have a spot for a player who might be able to perform at or better than that's the thing um his level of defensive play mixed with offense is still a negative on the team like that's he he has yet to outperform his defensive struggles Mm. and if you can find someone who even breaks even there's an improvement yeah um but uh let's let's lighten this up a little bit um (laughs) because Obviously, I I realize now we probably shouldn't have ended off with biggest disappointment because that really brought it down. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, to lighten it up, uh, we've hit to the point in the season where, for the most part, most of our players have revealed their goal songs in the building. Mm-hmm. I, other than one of them, but yeah, and we also have no idea. I think that's who you're mentioning. We have no <laughs> idea who Carson like like who, they, who Carson Kuhlman yeah, is. Who Just he's, in general, who he's no. picked. For I his, didn't know who he was until yeah. we picked him up. Um, we have no didn't idea. Even though he existed, I'm sorry. Never mind yeah. his song. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have him. no idea who he's picked. Um, so unless we find that out, we might have to you know add that in after. We know for the most part what everyone has as their their goal song, and some uh, we believe are significantly better than others. Uh, so some of them are really bad. I, mean, I wouldn't say bad. They're just they don't they don't fit no, the situation. Some are, some are very bad. Like some just don't fit. Like after you score a goal, play style or a anything. Big crowd. Yeah, like, I don't know. But what we're gonna do is we are going to rank our top five goal songs that we have. We're gonna uh, you know each of us are gonna go one at a time. Um, you know the player 
who it is uh, and what their song is and sort of why we like it. Um, just to end it off on a light note because uh, talking about the entire season as a retrospective is kind of heavy. So yeah. <laughs> um, my number five on my list for its namesake, I'm going Mambo number five. Nice. Oh, I, I introduced that so poorly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. There it is. Um, and I'm sorry, uh, Cody on on Twitter. He got mad at me saying that if Mambo number five isn't number one, the list is wrong. So I may be wrong, <laughs> but that's just I, I I think that that's where I have to put it. Just because the rest of my list, I've got I've got a lot of feelings about the rest of them. So that's where I'm at. Uh, number five for me is Money for Nothing. That's Morgan Barron's song. Uh, I. My list is kind of you. You got to look at it like the goals. the The songs being played after they scored in front of this big crowd. Like, do I think there are songs that are better than Money for Nothing on the list? Yeah, but Money for Nothing sounds the best after Morgan Barron, like after a goal at a Jets game. Yeah, it's situational. Yeah, it's very situational. So that's how I'm ranking my list. Yeah, uh, I, I realized I didn't. Barron's. I didn't say that, but that's yeah. kind of what I went off of too. Because I'm, it's like a multifaceted approach. Like obviously, if I don't like the song at all, I won't like it either with the crowd. Right. But uh, it's you look at the song. Do I like the song? Does it fit the uh, you know the scoring of a goal? There we are. <laughs> yeah. I think I kind of have a three way tie, but I think oh. <laughs> what a cop out. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm gonna top pick... eight coming no, up. No, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm. Picking, I'm <laughs> I'm picking one. I will go okay. Mambo number five from Ooh. Nate Schmidt. Okay. I I had two others. I won't reveal them, but no, no, I'll reveal them. I'm curious, actually. I I was. It was also tied with one too many. Kyle Connor, okay. Luke great Holmes, songs, uh, and Booyah. From, okay. Uh, from Cole, with Cole Perfetti's. That, that one almost snuck in. Th- that me. one. That almost. one was probably a top. But after thinking about it while we were sitting here, I went with Mambo number five. That does get the though. crowd going. Yeah. So I will. I will give it that. Um, for my number four, it's already been said. Hmm. Uh, I've got Morgan Barron's "Money for Nothing" by Dire Straits. Great song. It, it, that's the thing too. I had to confirm this because I uh, unfortunately haven't really had a chance to actually see a Jets game in person this year. Um, so I, I needed to confirm this with with Connor, who's been there more than I have. <laughs> um, I needed to figure out when the song started because the the opening with the the heavy drums and the guitar. Yeah. One of the greatest openings to any song ever. Like, it is just so, it gets you going. So, as soon as I found that out, it immediately shot into my top five. So, yeah, at my number four spot, Money for Nothing. It seems like with all of these songs, they've picked the perfect time for it to go, like, for it to run. Like, Money for Nothing. Um, Gagne's that we're going to get into is right at the chorus. You know, like, it's just, everything feels right about this and is a great addition to do these cool songs. But my number four... I'm going to go with Joss Morrissey's Magic in the Air. That, a little bit off the board for me, but you know, is it I like because it. we've heard it a lot this year? Yes, and because Morrissey's the only one that actually plays into it. He's the only player that like gets the crowd into it and like jams out to his song on the bench. Everyone yeah. else just sits there and just listens to the song. And the except song just for plays. Sam Gagne. Gagne, yes, Gagne I was too. about to say yeah. Gagne, but Morrissey actually like gets the crowd hyped and plays into his song. So, and it's a great one. Yeah. So. Speaking of Sam Gagne, my number four is Mr. Brightside. Holy too That's low. low. Holy too low. <laughs> but it, but it's because I have I have a couple other connections to some of the other songs. Fair but enough. It, um, so that's the only reason why I love that song. I used to be able to play that song on the guitar. It was one of my favorite Dang. songs to play in guitar class. 
Um, shout out Mr. Schultz. Uh, but <laughs> if, if you're listening, Mr. Schultz, I don't know is. you. He's a huge Jets fan. So Boom. There I is. hope I hope so. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. So putting aside the fact that uh, Elliot just ranked Mr. Brightside outside of his top three. Um, Something else. I, those top, your top three better be great. Um, <laughs> but my number three, and I have a, a love for this song like no other, is Adam Lowry and Sandstorm. Mm. I That's see, way off the board for me. See, <laughs> way off the I, board. That, that song gets me going for a Fair couple enough. reasons. One, uh, I just, I, I've always just thought it was just like a ridiculous song, but it works in like sporting events. Mm. Uh, and it just, it's got that, that great beat to it. But I also, this is a obscure reference. So if, if you're a Gold Eyes fan, you'll know this. Um, their uh, Canadian reliever, uh, Travis Seabrook, whenever he comes out of the bullpen, he runs on uh, to this song. And there's something about hearing, uh, you know, someone, you know, getting ready to roll. They're really pumping themselves up. They're sandstorm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one at my number three. Fair enough. Uh, number three, you guys both said it already, but I'm going Mambo number five. Uh, so none of us had more it like number Mambo one. number three. Oh <laughs> God, that was just something else. Oh, Anyways, <laughs> I, I'm I'm leaving the pod. Yeah, you're done. That was that was it. Um, yeah, I can't believe that that was the highest out of us i thought one of us would have had it in the top two for sure but it's great uh i just think my top two really get the crowd going so that's what knocked that one to three for me i'm gonna copy brian and i hate saying this as a ku fan i have to go with the sandstorm um Mm. if if you don't know um kansas state so the in-state rival that's their song is sandstorm Mm. and uh, if you know anything about college basketball, KU lost to K-State last night. So I had to hear that as I'm in pain as we lose in overtime in Bramlett. But so just, that knocked it down from one to three on your list is what no, you're saying. No, it almost, <laughs> I really actually almost took it out of my list. Wow. If we'd done this any other day, I probably still would have had it at three. But I really considered taking it out just because we had to hear it last night. Um there's also an expletive that is said about KU <laughs> while they play the song. Fair um, enough. But I, this is a family friendly podcast, so I won't <laughs> say it. If you'd like to look it up, you can see it anywhere. Um, <laughs> but I just think it, oh, it, it's it's at a meme song. Risk. Yeah, at yeah. your own risk. Um, it's a meme song, so I kind of enjoy it. But it, it's it's just a nice, good pump up song. You hear it everywhere in lots of different sports and stuff. So it, it's a pretty recognizable song for many people. So lots of people know it until they get up to it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, at the two for me, Mr. Brightside. Still too low. Well, I mean, I feel like you could make an argument for at least it's in the top three. Like yeah. it's it's high uh, for enough. some of us. It's in the top three. Well, <laughs> no, I, I chose to ignore. There's that. a lot of shade being thrown out <laughs> yeah. today. This is great. No, I, I refuse to the believe. Worst take that. on the history of this pod <laughs> was you saying Mr. Brightside. Up that's even worse are than you, you saying that? you could beat Logan Stanley in a foot race. I was just about to say that. I was like, are we sure that's worse? <laughs> it uh, might be. It might be. But no, I mean, it's it's hard to argue against it being high on the list, uh, especially because, as we were saying, Gane leans into it. Like there was mm-hmm. a the shot of him singing it on the bench uh, after he scored. Um, but no, it's a great song. Love the killers. So, yeah. I mean, that's really all you have to say about it. I wish he could be in the lineup so we could hear it more. That would be nice. Absolutely. Um, this guy's for my number two, we've heard plenty of this year, but it's Hey Baby and it's Pierre-Luc Dubois' school song. Uh, the crowd loves this. They play it at bomber games a lot. So if you're a bomber and a Jets fans, uh, and a Jets fan, you, you kind of get the link there. 
the Bombers fans sing it. It's great at IG Field when you're blowing out BC in the West Final. But um, in the cold, yeah, in the cold. But couldn't, couldn't feel my feet. But it was it was good, it. right? Um, yeah, the Arizona game was like a nothing game, but Dubois scored, and hey baby, like the crowd sang it for like 30 seconds after he scored. So that's why it's high up for me. It's just great to hear 15,000 people sing it. Yeah. My number two is also Hey Baby. And so I will, yeah, I mean, you hear it at Bomber Games. You're now hearing it at Jets Games. The other connection is the uh, Canadian, uh, like the junior team played right. it for a while. Right, So um, Heave and- away. <laughs> <laughs> someone, sh- someone should pick up that as their goal song. Yes. Carson Kuhlman. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Never no, know. he's probably the furthest from someone from the... From that region, uh, but uh, yeah, I will go with "Hey Baby." It's just a good song. It, it gets the crowd going yeah. all the time. Everyone will sing it. Everyone knows it, and so it's just a good way to keep the energy going after goal. Because sometimes the energy—I'm not saying that I'm, and especially not at uh, Canada Life Center—the the energy does not die after a goal. But a lot of places, and uh, you can say it sometimes, energy kind of dies down a bit after a goal. That song definitely keeps the energy, mm-hmm. if not bumps it up even more. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I know obviously it's not at my two spot, but at my number one, I've got Hey Baby. Mm. Um, largely for what you guys said too, but I have a, a personal experience that makes me just remember that song so fondly is when Canada beat Sweden in, I think it was the 2018 uh, gold medal game. Um, sitting in a packed bar and unprompted the entirety of that bar uh just started belting out that song nice. and so now whenever i hear it i think of that plus it's I'm, I'm a huge fan of songs that get the crowd to sing with it so that's the thing i th- think the i do think the jets missed the mark a few years ago when they got rid of uh shout mm-hmm. um because there was a huge opportunity to get the crowd just going with that and singing along with it but I digress. Uh, hey, baby, is my number one jet school song. Um, I have a feeling that I will be disagreed with uh, by several people on Twitter. So have at me. But um, where are you guys at? And I've been slandering Elliot for his Mr. Brightside take, so it would be wrong of me to not put that as my number one. Yeah, as you but didn't have it in your top five. <laughs> my number one is uh, I don't even know. Booyah, Cole Perfetti's now. It's Mr. Brightside. I listen to this song like it's just a great song outside of Jets games. And it gets me fired up. I remember I am I am lucky enough to go to a lot of Jets games. My dad has season tickets. And I remember going to the opening night and not knowing who everyone's goal song was. I didn't read up on it. And Gagne scores against the Rangers in the third period. It's a super hype goal. And then Mr. Brightside starts playing. That's something I'll never forget because, again, it's one of like my favorite songs outside of Gagne choosing it. Um, and it's a great song, and it gets the crowd going. So it's my number one easily. My number one, we haven't actually heard it as much as I thought maybe we would, um, but I'm going Hypnotize. Whoa. Blake, Blake Wheeler's. Um, I like it. I like th- it. That is simply for the fact that I'm a huge R&B person. Mm. Or sorry, well, that's mostly just a rap song. That's not even R&B. But <laughs> I was about to that, say, that, enti- that entire, if you want to roll in rap R&B, all the different, because there's now millions of different mini genres inside of rap, mm-hmm. but just biggie over the speakers yeah. like the the bass in that song like that beat is just so iconic and so good like yeah I, I don't know who the producer is but i would have loved to sit there and be in the studio for that day just mm-hmm. to figure out what inspired him to just just boom boom like oh mm-hmm. love it i it's great it's, it's a personal favorite of mine um so that's why it's a little bit higher on this list but i just think after a goal 
it it's just it's good to like it gets the base it, it tests your speakers to make sure yeah. that they're working yeah. properly. Well, I mean, and Blake Wheeler's a rapper too, so exactly. Uh, yeah, that came out in that Biggie article Fuck. earlier this year. Where, oh Christ! But no, apparently, <laughs> no, apparently though, uh, not bad from what we've heard from I former teammates. I need to see it. I need to see it. He, I would I need like to hear for him it. to win a jacket and start rapping. And when these when they all go well, speech, and then yeah. he just gets up and freestyles Give for like a, a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I would like for him to freestyle if he wins a jacket this this year. But if he doesn't, then I will still say that I have no idea and I won't make a comment. So uh, there you have it. Um, we have a diverse list with several reoccurring ones, but I know that there's obviously going to be people who disagree. Uh, so let us know. Give us a shout on Twitter or something just to be like, oh, hey, who's your favorite, uh, your goal song, and why ours is wrong? So we want to just run through them? Oh, yeah. Just so that we know? Yeah. Yeah, so um, at five, I've got Mama number five. At four, I've got Money for Nothing. At three, I've got Sandstorm. At two, I've got Mr. Brightside. And at one, I've got Hey Baby. I have got Money for Nothing at five, Magic in the Air at four, Mama number five at three, Hey Baby at two, Mr. Brightside at one. I have Mambo number five at five, Mr. Brightside at four, Sandstorm at three, Hey Baby at two, and Hypnotize at one. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, can't <laughs> get past the, the Mr. Brightside, uh, the rank in there. But, you know, I'll let it pass. But Twitter won't. Oh, no, I know. I, um, I'm, I'm waiting for a couple mentions. But we'll see. We'll yeah, see. we... Uh, as Maybe I'm in the wrong. Who knows? Uh, no. Right? <laughs> Everyone will have their own personal preference, just like the midseason awards. And so we'd like to talk exactly. about that as well. Yeah, yeah, let us know who uh, you have your rankings for for uh, your midseason awards there. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing them. Uh, we're on our way to class now. Yeah. Um, so we should probably uh, uh, head out. So get a move on. Get a move on. Um, so from my, myself, Brian, uh, I'd like to thank you all for, for listening again. Uh, as I said, reach out and um, just. Let us know what you think we've done wrong with our, our things and everything, but also just let us know what you want to hear. Uh, let us know if you liked the prospect episode. The numbers say you guys did. Yeah, um, thank you to but, everyone for listening. Yeah, thank yeah you. absolutely. But let us know if, there, if that's something you want to see us do more because we enjoyed it too. But mm-hmm. uh, from myself, Connor, and Elliot, thank you for uh, joining us again today, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Go Jets. Go Jets. Go Jets. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast.